The voice of reason. The voice of alarm. The voice of stats. The voice of scouts. The voice of Kool-Aid. The voice of dismay. The voice of Davo. The Royals are 75 and 48, a full seven games ahead of the Yankees for home field throughout the AL playoffs, and at least six and a half ahead of Toronto pending their game this afternoon. Thanks to an extremely complete game from the offense, with KC steamrolling from behind, a four-run ninth, edging Boston eight to six. As it's Davo on another edition of your dish on Clubhouse Conversation, where we will preview the four-game set with Baltimore coming up, do a very in-depth style here in about seven or eight minutes. But first, we begin by talking about today's game, and it was quite the action-packed Sunday afternoon at Fenway Park. And thanks to our player of the game, Mike Moustakis, the Royals came out on top. Now, it wasn't just Moose. It was actually a complete offensive day, pretty much up and down that entire lineup. We'll detail it here, but Moose earns his eighth player of the game uh, award here for Clubhouse Conversation on the year. Eric Hosmer leads all Royals with 10, Moose with 8. Then you've got guys like Volquez with 7, Morales with 6, Gordo, Perez, Kane with 5 on down through. Now, Mike Moustak is 3 for 5 with a home run in this game, two doubles, a walk for good measure, the only walk KC drew today, and four runs batted in for Moose. So 22nd and 23rd doubles of the year for Moose, his 13th home run of the season, that solo shot in the sixth, and RBIs 46, 47, 48, and 49. And that success was directly predicated by great at-bats, great approach, and a great job of not trying to do too much. You could tell today how relaxed Moose's hands were up there at the plate, couldn't you? Especially those last two at-bats, a nine-pitch at-bat on the home run, then the 10-pitch at-bat on the big double. That was ultimately the game-winning hit for the Royals. Just up there sorting through pitches, fouling off the pitcher's pitches, swinging at the ones that are close, protecting. Great two-strike approach. Just nice and relaxed. Not trying to do too much tonight. A nine-pitch at bat, like I said, in the sixth. A ten-pitch in the ninth. All in all, for Moose, his four official at-bats plus the walk. His five plate appearances, he saw 29 pitches. 29 pitches for Moose in his five plate appearances today. Awesome to see that. For a guy who's obviously been struggling over the last six weeks, good to see him get going again and use the opposite field some in this series as well. The oppo shot in this series that we saw, home run, big. Now, speaking of big, you know, Eric Hosmer had two hits today. Alcides Escobar, two hits. Rios, two hits. Infante, two hits. And Drew Butera as well. Two RBIs by Haas to go along with his two hits, by the way. But it's Rios and Butera I want to give some extra love to today in detail. Because we heard Ned Yost prior to Saturday night's game last night say, as he should, you know, we haven't seen a lot out of Omar Infante and Alex Rios this year offensively. We've given him a lot of at-bats. We need, you know, we got some decisions coming up when Alex Gordon comes off the DL, which I imagine will be about eight days from now as Gordo begins, as we speak, a 5.05 first pitch at Werner Park in Omaha begins his rehab assignment right now, DHing for Omaha tonight. So you got to figure Gordo's uh, probably with them through the week. Pretty good chance we see him in about eight days in KC, if all goes well. And at that point, as Ned points out, we've got some decisions to make. You know, where, where are we going to put Zobrestat? Right field? Second base? So he kind of put, you know, both Rios and Infante on blast. And it especially worked for Rios in this series, especially the last couple of days. 
Rios today, two for four with a run, including his 14th double. And for the weekend, Alex Rios goes seven for 14 in this series with Boston. Seven for 14. And a couple other balls were stung pretty hard. One to the track in left field today that I thought had a pretty good chance of getting out the monster was caught. So Rios is knock on wood. We've been saying this a few different times throughout the year. It looks like his bats are getting better and he's close to breaking out. We, we keep saying that. And then, you know, a stretch like this will end with another slump. And But... Also, with that said, Rios hasn't really had a 7 for 14 all season, his first one here. So perhaps things are different this time. Fingers crossed. So nice job by Rios today and throughout the weekend, using the opposite field more. You can tell he's trying to do that more. And something else I noticed in Cincinnati, especially, is he's playing a lot harder on defense. So let's give Rios some credit. A guy that we have talked about his base running blunders, his base running woes throughout the season. A guy who at times hasn't looked especially inspired in right field. But a guy who's continued to play hard, especially, uh, some people might say, continue, you mean beginning to play hard? No, I mean, I think he's always played hard. Maybe he took his offense to defense more than he should, but it's nice to see him especially playing harder. I saw him go over sliding hard in Cincinnati in foul territory, right by the stands trying to make a catch. He just He's out there busting his tail a lot more, so give Alex Rios some credit for hanging in there, and it's good to see him coming through with some hits. Hopefully, that will continue to carry over to defense and vice versa. Now, Drew Butera, a guy that... Gets no love for his bat. We haven't seen much from his bat outside of a home run at Comerica Park. And uh, in Detroit, there hasn't been a lot to cheer for from Butera's bat. But what a game he had today. Had Moose not gone uh, berserk today, Butera would have been the player of the game. He's my runner-up today. So Drew is two out of three with a run and a sack bunt. So three of his four at-bats, he got the job done in a big way. And he had the most important at-bat of the day also. We'll get to that in a second. But he did it his second double of the season. Leading out the fifth inning, that first pitch he saw from Eduardo Rodriguez, who, by the way, looks like he has a tremendous career ahead of him. Boston got him, of course, in the Andrew Miller trade. So Rodriguez, you know, he gives up the double to Butera in the fifth there. You know, but let's fast forward to the ninth inning. Let's go through this ninth inning. It was crazy, wasn't it? So the Royals behind 6-4. to four. Omar Infante hits a double off the wall that Jackie Bradley Jr. plays into a triple and nearly plays into an inside-the-park home run, although I'm assuming that probably would have been I don't know. Would that have been? I guess it would have been inside the park home run. If they gave him credit for a triple on that, they would have called it a home run, I'm assuming, right? It would have been a pretty cheap inside the park home run on a, you know, a misplay by Bradley. But anyway, Bo Jackson-esque. I mean, yes, it wasn't near as far as the kingdom in Seattle when Bo Jackson back in 1990 gunned out Hale Reynolds at home plate on the one-hop throw. It wasn't you know, quite the magnitude of that throw, but it was Bo Jackson-esque, wasn't it? He picks up the ball a couple of feet in front of the track and just guns it off the very front of the pitcher's mound, skips home because of the wet grass, right into the glove of the catcher who tagged out Omar Infante, who was waved home by Mark Gershley. So the Royals lead off that ninth inning. You probably got to you know hold that runner at third there, no matter what. Or don't you? You're down two. I mean, that first run's got to score for the second one to score. So at that point, the first one really doesn't matter that much. Anyway, whatever. I'm sure nobody expected that play to be made, and probably nine times out of ten, Infante does score there. So not a huge gripe with that, but you probably should have held him there. Anyway, at that point, you're down by two with one out, nobody on. Pretty easy to just, you know, pack up shop, get the bags all zipped up, get ready to come home to KC. You know, you're way ahead in first place. Like I said, at least six and a half games up for home field throughout. I mean, right? You're just like, okay, whatever. And had Drew Butera not gotten a hit there with a great at bat in the ninth, the Royals would not have won this game. If Butera makes it out there, there's two outs, nobody on. The Royals aren't coming back at that point. But Butera, which I'm calling the biggest at bat of the, of the day, sees six pitches, 
and then hits the line drive single that gets the Royals started. Alcides Escobar comes up, same thing, to right field, a single. Then Ben Zobrist rips the ball off of Tozawa, just ripped it to shortstop, right into the glove of Alexander uh, Bogarts over there at short, who makes the catch. So you've got two on, but two out. You're thinking, man, ah, that play at third base is going to haunt us. And Zobrist stings the ball. Maybe it's not our day-to-day. But then Locaine, the single to right. Hosmer, single to left. Very impressive at bat by Kendrys Morales drawing the walk. And then Mike Moustakis, as we detailed in the beginning here, in the open. The 10-pitch AB ropes the double, scores two. Morales thrown out at home plate. So two runners thrown out at home plate by the Royals in the ninth inning. So Tazawa's three outs came from two plays at home plate on extra base hits and an absolute line drive to short. He was lit up by the Royals. Great job by them in that ninth inning. Just great at bats, like I said. And, but did, don't lose sight of that Drew Butera about there in the ninth inning. Two outs and nobody on, 99% chance the Royals don't come back. The whole inning is different. They probably don't come back at that point. So Butera, you know, kind of an unlikely guy who came in hitting under the Mendoza line today. So the fact that he gets a knock there, huge. couple of knocks today. Sack bunt, which led to a sack fly earlier in the game. Nice job by Drew Butera today. So, four and two road trip. Which was, yes, aided a bit by a porous Boston defense today. Three errors by the Bo Sox, including two in the same play in that fourth inning that led to two runs for Casey. And at the time, a 3-2 Casey lead. Moose, of course, put the icing on that inning with, a, with another double to score run. And pitching-wise, Edinson Volquez, I thought he was better than his line. I know you hate hearing that. I hate saying that, but I thought he was. He gave up six runs and six and two-thirds on nine hits. The good thing was, no walks, five Ks. I mean, early on, he was really effective with that changeup. Pitching backwards a lot, like we saw your Donna Ventura doing last night and his last couple of starts. A lot of back-to-backs on changeups. Wasn't so much using his fastball to set up the changeup. A lot of times it was just changeup, changeup, or changeup, changeup, fastball, changeup. Nice job early by Volquez and keeping that ball down. Didn't get the best strikes on from home plate umpire Mike Everett, I didn't think. But then some balls were left over the middle of the plate later on in the middle innings. Don't know about bringing Volquez back out there in the seventh either after that long inning and over 90 pitches, but whatever. The Royals have a big lead. They wouldn't do that in the playoffs, so it's fine. Trying to conserve some innings. No off day until eight days from now. It's fine. So Volquez I thought was okay. Better than the line indicated, but you know not great, obviously. Now, Chris Young comes in and gets an out in this game. Franklin Morales, a scoreless inning. Wade Davis, a scoreless inning, getting his 11th save of the year. And the Royals just continue to be in great shape. 39 games left in the 2015 regular season. And realistically, I mean, what do you think? What's your opinion? How many more games do you think the Royals need to win? They're 75 and 48 right now. I think 11 more wins probably gets the AL Central done. 13 more, it's a lock. 88 wins is a lock in this division. 86 most likely is. The Royals won't literally wrap this division up until about September 15th-ish. That's the literal when they'll do it. But realistically, realistically, it's already wrapped up. But essentially, they could all but have this division sewed up here in about 9 to 10 days. Pretty impressive by the Royals so far this year. 
Now, Baltimore comes in to Kauffman Stadium. The Royals finally getting the rematch with the ALCS of a year ago when Baltimore took offense to Jeremy Guthrie's These O's Ain't Loyal shirt. Or, you know, Royal, sorry. Not Loyal. His O's Ain't Royal. And then, of course, you had the luck. Oh, the Royals are so lucky. Broken bad hits. You know, excuses, excuses, excuses from Baltimore. So, a series I'd like to see the Royals take it to the Orioles after that last year. Rub me the wrong way. Basically, the, most of the O's players gave the Royals virtually no credit. Especially the fan base, but even the players. Go back and read some of the quotes. Guys like Steve Pierce and you know some of the different pitchers in that Baltimore. I mean, you had the backup catcher getting on Twitter and blasting the Royals in the World Series, saying, "Oh, it's all luck. See, now they're not going to win." Come on, dude, you're the backup catcher. So Baltimore comes in with a lot to play for too. They're 62 and 61. Now they were swept by the Twins. They're losers of four in a row after the Twins took it to them over the weekend. And Baltimore a couple of games back for a final wild card spot. Just five and five their last ten. And the important thing is they're just twenty-five and thirty-six away from Camden Yard. So Baltimore has not been good this year, away from the cozy, friendly confines of Camden Yards. And a lot of that, especially in recent weeks, is because of their starting rotation. In the month of August, as you're going to see here, we're going to break down the four games. The rotation has been struggling. Game one tomorrow is Ubaldo Jimenez, who's nine and seven with a three-nine-seven. Against Chris Medlin making his first Royal start. 1-0 with a 2-5-1 overall. Jimenez is 1-1 with a 5-1-6 in August. Walked four in his five innings uh, against the Mets on Wednesday. Three runs in five innings. So three runs, four walks, 5-1-6 in the month of August. You know, what will we get out of Chris Medlin? Probably 70 pitches. The Royals say 60 to 75. You got to figure he pitches around 70 pitches. Hopefully he can find a way to go five innings. But the Royals need at least four out of him. And then I'm assuming you go Jeremy Guthrie or... Chris Young, especially after the Royals used uh, Franklin Morales quite frequently over the weekend. Guthrie would be on full five days rest, and Young faced just two hitters today, walking one and getting the other out. So you've got those guys behind him to get you into the seventh or eighth inning. Kind of a toss-up game. Who knows what the Royals will get from Medlin? So we'll just call the game one a toss-up. Game two is Miguel Gonzalez against Danny Duffy. Gonzalez, 31 years old, 9-9 and with a 4-7-3. But how about him in the month of August, you may ask? He's 0-2 with a 6-9-5 in the month of August. His last start against the Twins, seven runs on eight hits in five innings. So Gonzalez has been really, really struggling. Coming into this month, he was doing pretty darn good. And he already in the low fours. Eating up some innings, but now this month, like I said, 0-2 with a 6-9-5 for Gonzalez, who will face off with Danny Duffy, 6-6 six six with a 4-1-8. Duffy, of course, struggled in his last outing as well. That's two of the last three now that he's struggled after that impressive seven-game-in-a-row streak of six innings or more. The last two of three, he's really struggled. Although he does have a little asterisk in my mind. He would never make an excuse, and nor should he, but I mean, the Royals didn't get into Boston until 5.30 in the morning after that nearly two-hour rain delay in Cincinnati on Wednesday, and Duffy did not travel ahead with the team. So Duffy was pretty fatigued. I mean, that's, that's not easy on a pitcher. Pitchers normally are going to bed the night before at midnight. They're usually flying ahead a day most of the times on road trips. For whatever reason, the Royals didn't do that with Duffy. So we'll give him a little asterisk to my mind for that struggle. But I think it's a, it's a great chance for him to rebound, and he needs to. Doesn't he? I mean, his last outing in Boston, five innings, four runs on seven hits. Duffy, we've been talking about the playoff rotation. Obviously, two spots are 100% locked. You're one and two with Cueto and Volquez. And Duffy and Ventura, 80% chance we see both of them in the three, four spots. Ventura has been really turning it on his last few starts, as we'll detail here in a second. And Duffy had been, but you don't want to see Duffy take steps backwards now at all. So he needs a good outing in this one. 
I believe he gets it, and the Royals get a, a fairly easy win on Tuesday. Wei-Yin Chen, the lefty Johnny Cueto on Wednesday night. Chen, 7-6, and six, a 3-1-3. Cueto, 2-2 two two with a 3-0 since coming over to KC. Now, Chen has been really good in the month of August. He's 2-0 and with a 2-5-9. So he is one guy who's been throwing the ball well, coming off six innings, one run on seven hits against the Twins. Cueto proved he was human on Friday night in Boston, although the defense let him down big time. But still, six earned runs, and the Bo Sox pounded 13 hits off of Cueto in six innings. So like the Royals still in that game. you got to like Cueto at home, bounce back outing. Royals get that outing. And then the finale is an afternoon game on Thursday. Former 49th round draft pick of the Mariners back in 06. They didn't even go up that many rounds anymore. Chris Tillman, 9-8 with a 4-5-1. Jordano Ventura, 8-7 with a 4-6-4. So you've got Tillman and Ventura coming up on Thursday afternoon. What do we think about Tillman? Well, he's been bad in August as well. Only pitcher for the Orioles who have been good is Chen, as we just detailed. Tillman... One and one with a five six three. One and one with a five six three in the month of August. Last outing was a little bit better. Six and two thirds, three runs and four hits against the Twins, but it has not been good. Ventura, last five starts is three and zero oh with a four oh six. But let's take that a step further. The last three starts, Yordana Ventura has pitched nineteen innings. With a 1.42 ERA and 21 Ks. Repeating, last three starts, 2-0, 1-4-2 ERA, and 21 Ks in 19 innings for Yordano Ventura. Really like the Royals to get three out of four in this series. I think games two and three really lean the Royals' way, and I think you split games one and four. I, I like the Royals a lot to get three in this series. Now, lots to talk about over the next few weeks. I mean, we will get to the point probably by about mid-September where the Royals really aren't playing for much of anything. We'd like to think you could have this home field sewed up by, you know, September 20th or so, have a nice five, six, seven game lead where it's pretty much a done deal at that point. So we'll start talking about the playoffs here in a few weeks, about rotations. It's very interesting. I spent about an hour last night breaking down the different possibilities for the postseason roster. Have you done this yet? Do this. Spend some time. Over the next week or so, we'll start talking about it here in a week or two. And just look at how tough it's going to be to construct the postseason roster. Remember, you can change it before each series. Are the Royals going to go 11 pitchers, 12 pitchers, 4-person bench, 5-person bench? There's a lot of good arms in this team, and a couple of them are going to be left off the postseason roster who will surprise you. So go through that. And that's your homework. Spend some time brainstorming that, what the postseason roster will be. We'll be talking about that. Uh, before that, we'll be talking about September call-ups. We'll hopefully get a better read on what's coming down that way here in the next week. A lot of interesting guys on the 40, and then some guys who I think might be moved off the 40 in order to add guys like Kyle Zimmer, who I think is a near lock to make his Royals debut coming up in September. So a lot of, a lot of cool stuff to talk about in the next few weeks. Roster expanding, see some young players in September, talk about the playoff roster, and of course, Alex Gordon monitoring that situation, and you know the Rios and Infante and Zobra's situation. So plenty of stuff to still keep us interested until October, keep us hungry. And of course, lots of interviews here with current and former Royals players on Clubhouse Conversation. That's it till tomorrow. Have yourself a great remainder of your Sunday, and go Royals!